0: Hey, welcome to our next edition of the Every Woman's Story with Stonecroft podcast. Today we are with somebody I have known for a long time, and I always feel like I learn something when I am with her, and normally I end up laughing a little bit as well, but welcome back to the community at Every Woman's Story. What we believe is that every one of us has a seat at Jesus' table and that we can discover our story as we unpack the pages of God's stories. So um, we're going to be meeting today with Valerie Bell. She's the author of several books on spiritual formation and marriage and family, including Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. Valerie serves as Awana's CEO Emer- Emerita. Boy, that's hard to say, a CEO <laughs> Emerita. And the 2050 vision caster, such a cool job. And before we get into meeting her a little bit more, I'm, I always forget to introduce myself and then I always forget to introduce Elisa. So here we go. So, Hey, I am Naomi Kramer Overton. I, oh gosh, I'm a wife, a mom, a dog mom, and I live mostly in Colorado, sometimes in California, and I get to serve as the CEO of Stonecroft Ministries which is a really fabulous group of on-fire women. So that is me. Hey, Lisa, who are you? I'm me. Hi,
1: Naomi. (laughs) My name is Lisa Cortez-Bass and I get the privilege of serving alongside of Naomi as vice president of outreach for Stowcroft. Um, I'm also a a wife and mom, a a dog mom. I've been resisting saying that even though the dog is now three years old. Um, I'm actually resisting. Hobbyist jewelry maker now—that's the new thing—and a hobbyist baker, so that's been fun for me too. But so
0: grateful to be here, and so grateful to meet Valerie. Yay! Well, Valerie, welcome. It's great to see you, and we're looking forward to learning more about you today.
2: Thank you. It's great to be with you. How fun is this?
0: Yeah, it's really (laughs)
2: fun.
0: So, a little context: Valerie and I have actually known each other since about two thousand seven. So about 16 years now in various renditions of ourselves and various stages of our lives. And
2: and that's how long I've been a Naomi fan. I just want you to know that. And I want them to know that too. It's wonderful to have a friend that you kind of, uh, we don't have that much face time with each other, but we've stayed close. And I've watched you, how you've served Jesus through the years and, you know, your leadership's grown and all of those things. It's fabulous. Love well, it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so um, so we always love to start with a, a spark story. And Elisa, take us away with what is a spark story?
1: So we love for our um, viewers and listeners to be able to just learn a little bit more about you, Valerie, just a story that kind of reflects like the essence of who you are, like what makes you come alive.
0: So could you yeah. share that with us?
2: Yes, absolutely. So um, I was thinking about how I came to Christ my mom and dad were radically saved from very difficult childhoods and um, she got married and found out she was not supposed to have children but she ended up having three whom she thought were all miracles <laughs> and so she gave us to God and when I mean that when I say that I don't mean just dedicated us she was like full-time Christian service in fact when I was dating my now husband she took his mother aside and said Steve seems like a nice guy but if he's going to marry my daughter he needs to be going into the ministry <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I had picked him because he had the least ministry potential at all of Moody Bible Institute <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so I want to tell this story because um, I was very young and my mother had no uh, experience with children coming to faith. And so she had these backyard Bible clubs and um, I came forward to, I think they they called it Ask Jesus into Your Heart. And somehow after that experience I ended up also with a goldfish that they were giving away for prizes. And so I'm in the car going home with my mother who's who's a fervent adult spiritual you know Christian. And before seatbelts I've got my arm around her neck and my little white container with my little goldfish here and she's kind of mad at me, she said Valerie do you understand what you did today, and I said. Yes, silly mother. I asked Jesus into my heart and now I'm not a sinner anymore. <laughs> well, my theology was way off, but I knew what a sinner was and I knew I was one and that I needed a little help with my life even back then. And uh that moment is, has just been frozen for me because I ended up working in a ministry oana that is with all about children's spirituality and takes it very seriously and helps children all over the world, not be sinners anymore, but to learn to trust Jesus and to learn to have faith in him and to learn to have these discipled lives. So that's just something I, I just always remember, her trying to pry out of me if I knew what I was doing. And all these years, it was the best decision I ever made. And I was three years old.
0: Wow. Wow, there's nowhere to go, but you know, I guess down or up, but you know, <laughs> critical, the best decision ever at three, I guess that takes the pressure off the other yes. decision, right? That's right. Oh, that is such a fun story.
2: And wow, I bet your mom was a little surprised. Oh, absolutely, but thrilled. I mean, you know, she thought that I was going to be the next Mother Teresa or something, probably. It didn't work out like that. I had a lot of sinning to learn not to do, even at three. And sometimes I wonder if God doesn't uh, do that with very young children to to set them aside in some way. I can't say for sure about that, but I've always wondered, and sometime when I'm having a conversation in heaven, I'd like to know what the thinking is behind that. I think God loves children and he loves, you know, so many verses that says, uh, you know, that he hears their prayers, that, you know, there's a sweetness to their spirituality that God loves. And so he draws children unto himself. And I just Mm. had to be one of those kids.
0: That, it reminds me of when I formerly worked with Compassion and with World Vision, where I would encounter movements of children who prayed together. And just the fervency with which they prayed and the things that happened, you know, as you'd learn, you'd be going at like this global event that was like for the protection of children. And then you'd learn that this entire circle of children was praying for that event. And you're like, oh "Oh my goodness. Yes. So incredible. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Well, I love that. Well, I will say that my, my oldest was in Iwana and okay there's funny stories and there's deeply <laughs> spiritual ones here the deeply spiritual ones was like your story one of his little cubby that's like preschool A uh, awana leaders said i think your son might end up being a preacher and um and i remember thinking hmm okay but then this is what my son actually preached when he went to preschool <laughs> memory verse <laughs> he said quoting a little out of context. You are my friends if you do what I command you. <laughs>
2: oh, my goodness. That's so hysterical. That That's a general funny. idea,
0: but maybe not the voice and you know demeanor of Jesus. So yeah. um, anyway, so Valerie, we would love to learn a little bit more about that fully alive version of Valerie. And like, if you were just saying my best day. Okay. Best I day. love this question.
2: I love this question. What so are you wearing? Doing, yeah. yeah. My best day, I would be out in nature, maybe at a cabin in the woods or where there's a big meadow, and I would be with my uh, four oldest grandsons, fifteen to six years old, and we would have our binoculars and our straw hats on and our apps on our phones that calls in birds, and we would be calling in the birds and. Um, remarking on them and you know hunting for them and the boys would be learning their calls and we would just have such a wonderful back to nature kind of day that would be perfect for me
0: that sounds like a really fun day i don't even have i'm like fast forward yeah elisa you have boys so can you like is there a day like that in your life that's kind of similar you know, it's, it's so interesting because
1: Valerie, like, um, yeah, I'm thinking a few things like one, my mom in a Bible study was how I come, came to faith also. And it was like, uh, yeah, like in six, er, I was six years old. So third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I think about that too. That would probably be a good day for her. Like, but it's not like, it's the idea that she gets to have like the kids together, but the idea that they're learning, like they she could watch them grow. Like they were discovering together. I think that's what I hear, and what you're saying is there's a part in like growing and discovery together that seems like that delights you. Is that
2: absolutely? And I'm at the point now where they're getting smarter than me. I'm learning from them, <laughs> which I love. I absolutely love that they can read something and share it with me, and it's you know news to me. And you no, know, I love that journey together. And you absolutely nailed the description there, Lisa. Mm-hmm.
1: My mom also bought the kids binoculars. At one point, they all received some sort of science-ish <laughs> kit of some sort. So that's just what sparked that
0: for
2: me. Yeah, great,
0: <laughs> such, such legacies. Um, so that actually brings me to your article, um, called "Linked Together: My Story with Family and Friends." And when you were approaching this article, you were looking at a part of the Bible in First Chronicles chapter one and Second Chronicles chapter one. It was all about what a lot of people would call the boring parts, um, <laughs> just kind of like the this person begat that person, and then there's this person, and these these you know chronologies. And you actually looked at this, and like I just heard in Lisa's story and in yours, and you saw more than that. So.
2: Yeah, I I confess, I have skipped the genealogies occasionally when I've been reading through the Bible, Um, I can't pronounce most of the names, you know, it's just these and, and yet you realize that scripture is precious, precious space in scripture were given to the names of these people that we don't know. And you have to ask yourself, why did God think that was important enough to be in scripture. And, um, and I looked at that, and I thought, you know, this is more than a list of names or just a tribal stamp here in Scripture. This is a recording of this very important element of life called belonging. And in this tribe, it, by the listing of their names, there was this sense of this is the these are my people this is my tribe this is where i came from here are my roots Uh, here's what i'm going to tell my children about in the future the people that they came from and so i i looked at that and i thought you know we could really take a clue from that and especially with our own families develop the culture of belonging in our families and so uh, we every year we have what we call Lovey Camp. Lovey's my grandma name. You can all borrow it if you like it. I love it. It was my name my father called me when I was a little girl. But we have Lovey Camp. And this year we brought in my brother who's the historian and he put all these pictures of our ancestors, old people up on the screen. Our kids had never seen that and he told their stories. And he said, This is where you came from you came from this kind of people this man loved this and here's your grandma all of this stuff and um, they began to see it. We had this other thing that we always do with the grandkids when they come over and we tuck them into bed at night. We do what we call a massage maze. It's just hand massages. You know, you do all the fingers, you do this kind of thing. You do the massage and they get to be relaxed and you start talking about their lives and do they have anything they want to pray about. But this night of tucking into bed always ends with the belonging story. And so we say, who do you belong to? Who, what tribe are you in? In other words, who do you belong to? We go through aunt karen and uncle david and uncle craig and aunt mary we go through all the cousins we literally list dozens of people and then we say to them do you know that means you will never be an orphan you will never be alone because all of these people love you and you belong to all of these people and i tell you that is powerful and it is the quest that many people are on unsatisfactory throughout life and here's the beauty of god's heart he tells us over and over and over again that we belong to him and that we belong to his tribe we are his people and um, they're just all these beautiful fabulous scriptures like that Um, and then i was just going to share this one experience with our six-year-old we're out in california we're on the santa monica pier walk down there there's about six of us from the family all walking together, and he's holding my hand, he's swinging, and I said to him, who do you belong to, and he laughs, he says everybody that's there, and I said there's more, there's more, and he's going through all these names, and then he breaks loose from me and he runs ahead, and he, his arms are up in the air, and nobody else knows what we're talking about, and he's going, I belong, I belong, I belong. <laughs> That's salvation. We started this whole thing talking about a child's need to deal with their sin, but it was more than that. It was a love for Jesus that began in response to his love. Not that the kids started this whole thing. I didn't start that whole. His love, that was the story that I was responding to. His death on the cross for my sins. I got that. And the whole, if you think about the God story that's in Scripture, All the way through, God is saying to us, you belong to me, and you belong to me because I created you, because I love you, I care for you, I sent my son, all of these messages, regardless of the history we have of rejecting him and going our own way and doing terrible things to each other and how um, we've fallen so short of his creative plan for us. His story continually comes back uh, with this great unconditional love for us. And so here's the thing, spiritually, if you feel lonely, I mean, if I think loneliness is a huge issue for a lot of people in the world. Um, you're not alone. You belong. You belong deeply to God, and you belong to that whole family, that whole tribe. Um, So I think it would be kind of fun for people if they would take this message, sit down somewhere, maybe in the front of their Bible, you know, there's all those empty pages. Write down your belonging. Who all do you belong to? Who formed you, who who told you about God, who formed you spiritually, who's walking beside you spiritually, who are all these people that you can never, ever go away from even, you know, both of my parents died 40 years ago, but they their influence is still with me. I still know that they love me even though they're not here. Um, so, you know, take some time and think about that whole belonging thing and your genealogy. You can write down your physical genealogy and you can write down your spiritual genealogy. And when you feel by yourself and when you feel like nobody cares about you and you don't have anybody you can call to go have coffee with you, go back and look at that and remember that you belong, you belong, you belong. It's fabulous. So that's what I got out of the genealogies. That's amazing. I mean, Let's <laughs> skip over them. <laughs> skip
0: over them. <laughs> they're yours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I was just, you know, I'm always, I don't know. There's some category of reading. That's my favorite. It's kind of like understanding things that are going on in the world. I think that'd be my category, my favorite category of reading and something I was reading, I think in the last 24 hours was about, um, the number of friends and how that has just declined so yeah. dramatically. And it was something I'm going to misquote it, but you'll get the idea. It was something like half of the people only have one friend, who they can talk to and really trust. And even there, they're not even sure about the quality of that relationship. And um, you know, if they could tell them anything. And you're like, wow. And it it said that it had gone down from an average of four friends, you know, a couple decades ago to one. Kind, kind of, of hope they're a friend, friend. That's kind um, of a
2: crisis, isn't it? That's yeah, like, it really is. No, and,
0: that's- that's concerning. So, I, I'd love to hear. I personally, I love the picture of your grandson and the Santa Monica boardwalk mm-hmm. or the pier It had been the pier itself. I used to, he
2: live... was preaching it. He was preaching it. <laughs> was it the
0: pier or the boardwalk? I just got to get it in my it brain. The,
2: I think it was the boardwalk, you know, it where... was the boardwalk. Okay. I
0: used to run there once a week when I lived. Uh, in Los East. East. But
2: anyway, um, the,
0: the thing I want to now bring in and I know is the genealogies. Okay. There's also genealogies where there's wonky people. And even in the genealogy of Christ, you know, there are people who did some really uh nasty things, honestly. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not, uh, you know, I could, I could go into the list, but I'm not going to right now. Yeah. And so when we think about our genealogies and we think about, okay, we're believers in Christ and we know Um, or we want to be exploring that. And and we do desire this belonging to God. How do we discover that in human terms, if a lot of the people in our stories are wonky?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I kind of, uh, I didn't know I'd be talking on this today. So I'm going to be very revealing, maybe more than I I should be when I think back on it. But here's the thing, Naomi, um, we're all wonky. And I think God does a better job of dealing with our humanness than we do with each other particularly. And so I, you know, sometimes just think God knew this person was messed up and sinning, but he used him anyway. What was God thinking? Well, in God's perspective, we're all messed up. (laughs) You know, we're all falling short. We all need a savior. We all need Uh, the community of faith around us. I think it's amazing that he uses all of us the way he does. In terms of our own personal, how do we get along with these people who I belong to, who are difficult, you know. Um, I think that there's such a thing as boundaries. We have to have boundaries if we're in, in a relationship that's toxic and destructive to us, but um, I hear a lot more talk about boundaries than I do forgiveness, and I hear a lot more about some of our psychological, uh, in, uh, you know, reinforcements than I do about this sense that um, God uses all of us as healers for each other, and God uses all of us as confronters for each other. And a lot of times, you know, it's more it's more facile just to break out of the relationship and not have to deal with it, and. Um, I just, if you find yourself like that, you know, and you need help, talk to somebody who can help you with it, but recognize that God's love can be miraculously healing. And if that's what he plans to do in some of those broken relationships, you want to have a front row seat to that. You want <laughs> you want to see when that person comes around and when they ask for forgiveness and some of those good things start happening. So i'm I'm not a psychologist, but I do um believe in in the power of the scriptures. I believe in the power of the gospel, and for me, that means I just don't give up. I don't think I have permission to just give up, but um and I know people write, well, you haven't been in this relationship. this hasn't happened to you, and I understand that so. I'm going to put a comma on that and you not a period. You can add what <laughs> you need to clarify that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I love it. And... Um, so and we can I ask a quick follow-up? Yeah. Please, please. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Um, one of the things that you said earlier is um, you call it like a tribal stamp. And I just... You know, I think that language is super fascinating. And as I think about like... Um, what are some good questions that somebody might ask themselves, I think, as they're trying to figure out like, you know, where do I belong or who do I belong to? Like, as I think about our listeners, for some people who are just saying, I'm just, I'm new to this and I'm not sure what I'm like, how do I find my tribe? Or, you know, what kind of tribal stamp should I be looking for? You talk about forgiveness. Like, what are some of the other tribal stamps that
2: um, you would ask somebody who's looking for community? Like, what would you encourage them to look for? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would try to find I'm going to put this in the women's terms, because that's how I have basically experienced it. Women who could mentor who could bring me along, they don't, you know, they don't have to have a formal mentoring relationship with me. But if I could just observe their life up close and walk a few miles with them, and if I can just maybe if I need to bleed a little bit and be real. Uh, And have their input into my life. So where do we find women like that? Well, I find them in uh, women's groups at church, I find them in small groups, I find them in the, I worked in a Christian organization, there were a lot of women there that were trustworthy, you know, that uh, could could uh, handle my humanness. And we're fine with that. So I, and also, I think your tribe sometimes is small. Like Naomi was saying, you may have one or two trusted friends at certain times. And then at other times, you know, you have more than that. But um, I, I think this is such a precious gift. And I hate to think of anybody being too timid to go out and pursue ask them for coffee if you admire her don't be jealous of her ask her for coffee and and talk about you know girl things talk about women things the things that you can't talk really to your husband about because he's not that interested in it maybe you know um have coffee uh, make sure that you're at church you will find more people there like that who understand This need for compassionate companionship in life, Uh, so uh, I just I I say don't don't give up don't settle with being alone and don't settle with loneliness find a belonging person find a belonging small group find a belonging church. um, Find somebody who will you know clean your house and you'll clean their house when i'm saying sharing life I like that phrase sharing life. Um, it's it's not just sitting in a Bible study together. It's doing life together. And that's what we need. So as I continue
0: my genre of how to understand how the world works, um, yeah, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast by somebody who was some Ivy League psychologist about how we connect with other people. And exactly to your point, Valerie, she was saying, we tend to think people will reject our invitations but since most people are really so isolated that we can be surprised and if we just say hey i'm fascinated by the thing you just said like if we were in a class together or you know i see that you have kids that are such and such an age i'd love to hear more about like what you're learning yeah. from them or whatever um or with them and can we go on a walk can we go to coffee that it will be accepted more times than we think and Valerie, that has happened between you and me. You might remember that when we were. But I knew I really wanted more Valerie in my life. Um, and I reached out to you and I said, "Will you mentor me. And I loved your answer. You were like, well, you know, I'm privileged. I'm honored that you had asked me to do that. But Naomi, I'll be your friend.
2: Um, um, <laughs> mentor questions always spooked me a little bit, Naomi. <laughs> but I would be happy to share life. That's what, I'd be happy to share life, you know, and uh, this a couple years ago, Steve and I, we we're starting to be in the retirement phase of life and we don't have natural everyday friendships anymore because we're not going to work with people and we recognize we're going to be by ourselves. This is COVID too, you know, mm-hmm. our word for the year was initiate start the conversation, make the ask. And really, truthfully, people don't say no. They don't say no. They, they will go out of their way to try to make those connections in life. So I didn't know that about you, Naomi. <laughs> yes. yes, I'm very complimented. <laughs> Should pick up where we left off though. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, we're about to the
0: point where we're going to leave with some just kind of moment to just think about and breathe in God's word. And we had asked you before we got started, Valerie, a a portion of scripture that you'd want to leave us with as we move forth from this time. You chose a really fascinating passage. (laughs)
2: Like,
0: I don't know anybody who's ever chosen in my life when you say, what? Part of the Bible means a lot to you. I Nobody think may that. even be my
2: life verse. That's <laughs> how crazy. Off, chapter
0: two, verse five. Would
2: you talk to us about this before we uh, share it with everybody? Absolutely. This is the the wedding feast at Cana. It's the first miracle that Jesus ever performed, but it has a little phrase from his mother Mary speaking to the disciples, and she says to them, "Do whatever he tells you." Now, the next verse, if I was in charge of scripture, would say what Jesus told them to do. But that part has been left off and we're left to wonder, why did she have to say that to him? Why did she have to say that to them? Because something about what Jesus asked them to do required faith. Did they have to turn around? Did they have to do the hokey pokey and turn themselves around? (laughs) Something embarrassing out in public? I don't know what it was. But it was not just Jesus turning the water into wine at this wedding. It was the faith of the disciples combined with the miraculous uh, powers of Jesus that turned the water into wine. So many times as I look back at my life, I was at a crossroads where the next step that I felt God was asking me to do didn't make any sense. And also, I didn't even want to do it. I wasn't attracted to it. I was I'll, I'll give you one example of this, uh, going on the Iwana on the board. Um, they, I was one of the first women, I went in to check it out. It was all older men. And they showed me a picture of a graveyard where they're gonna be buried together. <laughs> They'd come to Christ as boys together. They'd done life together, you know. I prayed about it, went on that board. And four years later, I was the CEO of Iwana. I had never planned that in my life. And it was something that used everything God had given me. He took my water, he took my water and he turned it into wine. I had sat through 23 years of Global Leadership Network uh, summits without realizing I was being prepared to lead like that. And so, yeah, I, I just think, you know, if you're at a crossroads, and you don't you feel a little lost? God is maybe moving you in another direction. I started as a singer. I used to travel and sing, and then uh, I went to a conference, and the national speaker didn't show up, and I had to speak. I was terrible. I looked out at two thousand disappointed faces. It was awful experience. And I got on the plane, and I just heard God say, "Will you do what I ask you to do? Will you bend to me? Will you do what I ask you to do?" And that started my writing so you know none of that was planned all of it was very um off-putting almost to me but will we do what he asks us to do and will our faith trust him that he's taking us somewhere that he has already gifted us to do so i
0: want to bring something up here some of the people who are watching this or listening to this are women who might feel that what they're being asked to do um, is to lead in some way. Now, all three of the women on this call have been asked to lead in not entirely typical ways. Ah. The first female CEO of Awana. I'd love now, to hear all of these stories. Trust me. <laughs> Alisa has been an executive with a, not only at Stonecroft, Uh, which is primarily focused on women, but at uh, one of the major denominations um, in the Christian faith. And I don't know my story, but whatever. Um, Okay. But, uh, but I have, I've led to, Um, but the, I want to talk about this, this thing of this, this thing of do whatever he tells you for the listener or the viewer who is going, what if it's leading? So, okay. Either of you, this could go to either of you.
2: Does anybody have something they just need to say in response.
1: Now no, I have to, I I have just to think about it. it, go for it.
2: I will just say, what's the problem with that? Yeah. You know, it's funny, um, you guys. When I when this happened to me, and it really just it did happen to me. It was not part of the planning. Three of the guys that I went to grade school with, who all went into the ministry, they, one has two doctorates. Uh, you know, they're these mega smart guys. They said, "You always were the boss of us," <laughs> and um, I had been leading without being recognized. Probably, I that was my that was always my tendency. to to be out in front thought wise. So if that, if that um, is a pull on your life, lead whatever God gives you to lead, even if it's a place where they're all going to be buried in the cemetery together, even if it's a place that, you know, doesn't involve uh, something you're all that crazy about missionally, Uh, do what God asks you to do and, and your gifts will be sharpened your leadership can be developed almost any in any circumstance you don't have to get a paycheck and, and i wish more women did get paychecks i i, I hope i live long enough to see uh women's leadership accepted in the church and celebrated because um we lead differently than men and i think that the world would be at a better place if we had more opportunity but that's my perspective
1: Naomi, I'd love to hear yours too. And thank you for that, Valerie. You know, uh, what strikes me about the scripture you chose is that I I think this is the importance of like finding a good tribe. I mean, it was so nice that, you know, Jesus was a guest at this wedding too. And to have like his mom be like, "Hey, just do whatever he tells you to do. Like there's a, there's some, there's something so comforting and nice when you're in it together with somebody else and they're like, you know, like a wing woman for you. So like I have a few wing women in my life where if I have to come in and say something and it feels like, you know, and they're just like, just do it. Just do it. It'll it'll turn out okay. Like she's fine. You'll be fine. Um, Best fun you've ever had. And so I think about like the women who come alongside of me that if I have to make a courageous leadership decision that they're like hyping me up behind me or like, um, like ambassadors (laughs) almost going ahead of me, like you should do it. It's so great. You'll love her. Um, And in a weird kind of way, like that's what that scripture reminds me of, like Mary, like you know, makes, opens the door for Jesus to make a command in that space. You know what I mean? That to make an ask as a guest. And I think about the women who've, who've like helped me make an easier ask because they've kind of like, you know, nudged the door a little wider or, you know, opened the lane a little wider for me. So I think about the, the women that I should be celebrating more who've done that for me that are in my
0: tribe. Love it. Love it. Well, I hadn't planned to comment on this. I just planned to ask the two of you, but- uh... <laughs> But um, uh, but listening to this, when it was this do whatever, uh do everything he tells you. Um I in, in this season of my life and leadership, and I do serve as a CEO, and I did serve as a CEO of formerly called Mops International, now Moms Connect, um, and both were surprises to me. Um, but the I think the thing that in this season is standing out is as part of do what he tells you, uh it's accept the way you're made. And mm-hmm. not that we can't learn and grow. We can, and I hope we all do. Um, but accept like who you're really shaped to be. And then if God's called you to lead, lead in that shape.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: actually co-leading with Elisa has been super fun for me because it as a CEO, one of the things that I'm often asked to do is kind of galvanize people. You know mm-hmm. it's like have some super clear message and say we're going from here to there and let's take that hill yeah and honestly that is not one of my strongest gifts and mm-hmm. yet God can provide people who that is their one of their strongest gifts and so when it's do whatever or everything he tells you it's like do who you are <laughs> and I so love that. I love yeah. that so that, that would green. be that's very
2: yeah I like it
0: yeah so, so I guess we're going to close with the passage then. John chapter two, verse five. Valerie
2: has not memorized now. <laughs> I so that was the point of this entire <laughs> podcast. It was, it was
0: scripture memory. Do, I don't know if I want to still gives badges, but I'm curious. Might we
2: get one? If you want one, you can get one. Okay. <laughs> get a memory badge. Yes. Okay. I'd like that. I'd like that very much.
0: <laughs> All right. Won't we'll go for it, Elisa. All right, so we
1: just invite you to just um, still yourself and listen to this passage of scripture from John 2 5. And I'm, I'll be reading from the New International Version. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you.
2: Valerie? And uh, his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you, right? <laughs> from john chapter 2
0: verse 5 in the new living translation but his mother told the servants do whatever he tells you god thank you for your living word thank you that it is new uh, your mercies are new and then also as we read your word it is new to us um, daily and i pray that as we um move into the things that you've asked us to do, or we accept the things that you've given us to um, to receive or to right now endure with your strength, mm. that we will do what you tell us to do. Mm. And thanks for this time with Valerie and Elisa and everybody around the table. In mm. your name I pray, Jesus, amen. So I don't mm. always end with a prayer, but that mm. was what seemed good for today. So again, we wanna thank you, Valerie, for being with us. It's been so fun.
2: Thanks for letting me be a part of your tribe today. I love it. it. So thank you for inviting me.
0: Awesome, and we'll take with us, I belong, I belong, I belong. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we say in this Every Woman's Story community and Every Woman's Story with Stonecroft Podcast is we believe everyone has a seat at Jesus' table. We want you to pull up that chair and discover your fullest story as you dive into God's story. So thank you for being with us today. And until next time, take care, bye.